0: Hey everyone, welcome to Be Healthistic. Today in the show, my dad and I are bringing you an all new episode in our Pulse Check series, where we discuss trending health topics and share with our listeners what you should know right now. We often talk in the show about how the lifestyle choices we make each day have a huge impact on our physical and emotional health. Today, we're gonna to delve into some interesting new articles and studies that reinforce the importance of making healthy lifestyle choices. Welcome to Be Healthistic, the podcast that's more than just health and wellness information. It's here to help you explore your options across traditional and natural medicine so that you can make informed decisions for you and your family. This podcast illuminates the whole story about holistic health by providing access to the expertise of Dr. Steve and Drew Sinatra, who together have decades of integrative health experience. Be Healthistic is powered by our friends at Healthy Directions. Now, let's join our hosts. Hi, folks. If you like what you hear today and you want to listen to future conversations on all things integrative and holistic health, subscribe to our podcast at behealthisticpodcast.com. Also, check out and subscribe to the Healthy Directions YouTube channel, which features video versions of our episodes plus extra videos you won't want to miss. And finally, we have more with me, Dr. Drew Sinatra, my dad, Dr. Steve Sinatra, and other health experts at HealthyDirections.com. All right, the first topic is, uh, it's about the heart, and it's uh, a drink a day may raise AFib risk. So this came out of the European Heart Journal, and these European researchers looked at 100,000 adults that were free of AFib, so no prior history of atrial fibrillation, and they, they basically followed them for 14 years, And what they found was that if these people had one drink per day, it raised their risk of developing AFib by 16%. And if they had more drinks per day, like two drinks, uh, the risk went up to 36%. And if they had three drinks or more per day, it went up to 52% risk of of developing AFib. So that's pretty significant. And that goes against what we've been taught for so long and that maybe a drink a day might be heart healthy.
1: Well, it depends. If it's red wine, yes, because the red wine contains, uh, you know, resveratrol, a lot of polyphenols that prevents the oxidation of LDL. And, you know, that's why the French paradox is so unusual, because the average French cholesterol is 275, but they got the lowest incidence of, you know, heart disease in Western Europe. Um, but this journal uh, article, you say it went on for 17 years or
0: so? 14
1: years, 14 they years, yeah, and it yeah.
0: published when drew. I don't know when it was published. It was recently. I can well, look that up. It was up.
1: recently published. See, what I'm thinking about is this, you know, everything is sort of, you know, the, the synergism going on and look in the age in of, well, or, or this, this day and age of electromagnetics and computers and cordless phones and cellular phones, et cetera, this electromagnetic soup that we live in, um, I think is contributing to the, you know, one, two or three drinks a day. And I'll tell you why. As a heart specialist, we are very privy to the holiday heart syndrome. I mean, we, a heart specialists, you know, doesn't make a difference where you live. We knew that during the holidays from Thanksgiving to New Year's day, that we would see more cardiac arrhythmias, more atrial fibrillation. And that's, and that's the time when people are drinking more, you know, they're going to parties, mm-hmm. yeah. they more alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that alcohol lowers the arrhythmia threshold where, um, you know, it's just incredible. So I guess if this study was published this year, you know, in January, yep. that means that um, hey, look, there's got to be a contributing factor. So I have a feeling maybe the authors didn't mention it, but there's other extenuating factors, and not only is alcohol, uh, not only can that render you more towards arrhythmia one, two, or three drinks a day, but it may be worse in the presence of electromagnetic fields. Uh, I Absolutely. Can tell you. I've I've been getting calls from my colleagues, you know, where all of a sudden they got a a cordless phone or a decked phone or something like that. And the atrial fibrillation has occurred in the house or what meters are put outside the house. You know, those those meters. Yeah. um, And and driving the EMF in and they got atrial fibrillation. Um, So anyway, I think there's a connection between the two. And I hope our listeners that if they do do more than three drinks a day, that they watch their EMF exposure as well. That's my yeah. bottom line
0: on that. That That's a great point, Dad. And, you know, also, too, reading this article, I was, I was hopeful that they would mention what type of alcohol would lead to the incidence of, of AFib development. And apparently, it's all forms of alcohol. So hard alcohol, beer, wine. And I was thinking in my head that maybe they'd find out that wine would be a, a contributing factor. I know resveratrol is great. But I don't know about you, Dad. But in my practice, I hear about people having insomnia and heart palpitations and pounding heart late at night after they've had a glass of wine. That's like the number one alcohol association that I see is red wine, not sleeping well and heart palpitations at night. So I I was curious to see if red wine would come up, but it it didn't.
1: Well, the other thing too is, um, you know, in California, if they're drinking a lot of California wines, I I always worry about insecticides, pesticides, uh, heavy metals, you know, things like that. Uh, So, uh, you know, one thing about your brother, Step, uh, he 's involved in organic wines and I, I think organic wines bring something to the table because not only are you getting lower sulfites and mm-hmm. and, and you know with the biogenome explosion we 're finding all these people with you know inborn errors of metabolism, especially during the, in in that sister, sister scion, uh, uh sulfite pathway so so basically. Um, yeah. Um, if you're going to drink alcohol, I would say the cleaner, the better. And if you can get organic, I would go with organic to just to lower it down a notch where you're not getting a lot of, uh, you know, excess, uh, you know, substances in your body that could cause harm over time.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and also the researchers too, before we move on to the next subject, they also said that, uh, one possible mechanism for this is really that alcohol activates the, the flight or flight response, right? So you know they were saying that uh, the the heart may become electrically unstable from consuming alcohol. I thought that was a pretty interesting piece there. No, it
1: it can happen. You know, uh, let's face it. If you if you down down a bottle of, of alcohol or you know a, a case of beer, you might be so drunk that your sympathetic nervous system doesn't even act. But the but 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 your point is well taken. You know a cut. You know just a couple of drinks. Yeah. Uh, you know. That's not going to tone down a sympathetic nervous system in many and some people, but it could have an average, you know, the the reverse effect, because you remember alcohol is sugar and sugar, you know, will drive the sympathetic nervous system, uh, even, you know, even higher, uh, because of the insulin relationships and the epinephrine and adrenaline relationships. It's a complex biochemical pathway, but it can happen.
0: Yeah. And, and lastly, I mean, I don't want to talk about this too much, of course, but really what you said from the beginning too, dad, there's other variables that could be present so we need to take into mind too that with studies sometimes one study will show this another study will show this five years later it shows the opposite effect so things change and with research all the time and so this is this is just one study but i think it is an important study to discuss because uh, perhaps drinking one drink a day isn't as good for our heart as we've been led to believe Great. okay uh, let's move on to topic number two and this is an avocado per day may help improve gut health And this came out of the uh, Journal of Nutrition. And what they did was they looked at overweight and obese subjects, and they gave them isocaloric meals, which means the same calories. This is in the experimental group versus the control group. And in the experimental group, they included one avocado per day. And essentially what they found was that those who had one avocado per day, they had an increased abundance of gut microbes that break down gut fiber and that produce metabolites, which supports gut health. And also they uh, noticed an increase in diversity, of the gut microbiota, which is really what we're searching for when it comes to foods or supplements or whatever, uh, in terms of a health favorable effect.
1: No, oh, well said. And, uh, you know, you're the gut microbiome expert and, uh, you know, to me that was new knowledge about avocado. I mean, I've been privy to the cardiovascular, you know, advantages of avocado. I mean, mm-hmm. it's monounsaturated fat. You don't get an insulin response. Um, you know, it, it contains uh, a lot of flavonoids and carotenoids. And uh, I just, potassium. yeah, I just love avocado. In fact, I'm in, I'm in the the group of people. Who, and I would say that, you know, a lot of, a lot of my cardiological colleagues, you know, they, they ingest avocados like I do on almost almost on a daily basis. I would say, Drew, I have avocado at least six out of seven days a week. Yeah. yeah. And um, you're privy to the salad that I make. I mean, I, 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 I did videos on this, but you know how hard it is to get nine fresh fruits and vegetables a day? (laughs) Yeah, especially in the wintertime. If you do the Sinatra salad, right, (laughs) I make this salad six out of seven days a week. It's it's amazing. But avocado is part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I I use lettuce. Uh, I certainly use and and I get this mixture of cabbage and kale and, uh, um, you know, a little bit of broccoli. And then I add the berries, you know, blackberries, blueberries. I don't add strawberries unless you're organic, because those mm-hmm. are the top three that, that are sprayed. Um, and, and, and basically I use raspberries as well. And I add onion because onion is just incredible. It's, it's an, it's an, it's an incredible healer. And sometimes I'll chop up some even garlic. So at the end of the day, I have nine fresh fruits and vegetables in the salad. I top it off with a little olive oil, which is the secret sauce of the Mediterranean diet. And we talked about changing pro-inflammatory genes, and we talked about you know the Mediterranean basin having more than 100-year-old people in the world. Mm -hmm. If we look at the health benefits of avocado and all the berries thrown in, it makes a perfect salad, and it's just it's one way to get nine fresh fruits and vegetables a day. And avocado is the kingpin of that salad.
0: Oh, I, I, I want to eat some of that salad for lunch right now, Dad. <laughs> um, now, Dad, I don't know if you knew this, and and perhaps you did, but the uh, the authors of this article said that there's 12 grams of fiber per avocado. I mean, I, yeah. I knew that there was fiber in avocado. I didn't know there was 12 grams of fiber per avocado. Well, I thought it was 6 to
1: 12. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if it depends. You know, we have the Haas avocado, and then we have these bigger avocados actually in Florida. And, and I'm just wondering – what particular avocado they were talking about. The other good thing about avocados is this is one fruit that doesn't have to be organic. I mean, I prefer to buy organic all the time, but, you know, if people want to save a little money at the supermarket, this is one uh, fruit they can get that uh, doesn't have to be organic.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we should mention too, Dad, other other let's call them prebiotic foods, right? Which are foods that help support a healthy microbiome. And you mentioned one of those, which is uh, onions already. And of course, garlic is always part of the Sinatra uh, dinner or lunch. And uh, leeks are good, asparagus, dandelion greens, and also one of your favorites, Jerusalem artichoke. Yep,
1: they're all good. And don't forget sauerkraut as well. And sauerkraut, I mean, yeah. Sauerkraut, yep. uh, will, you know, feed not only your your, your your probiotics, but your prebiotics as well. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, uh, vegetable to have, and, uh, it really detoxifies the gut and being yeah. a gut expert, you know, all those things, I'm sure you do, uh, on a, at least some of those on a, on a weekly basis or daily
0: basis. I try to as much as I can. <laughs> all right, let's move on to topic number three here. This is the life changing benefits of pets, the magical healing of a pet. And I know uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about this one, dad. Yeah, in fact,
1: I did a radio show yesterday, radio TV show um, last night. And um, the people that sponsored the show were from Baltimore. And um, that's where Jim Lynch uh, grew up. And uh, Jim Lynch, I met him 30 years ago. He wrote The Broken Heart. Uh-huh. And he was the one, he's a PhD. And uh, he was the one that really you know, enlightened me, so to speak, about the healing power of pets. I mean, he was amazing. And remember when you grew up in my house, you always had a dog. I mean, we had Charlie, we had Chewy, we had multiple coma, dogs, we had, yes. cows, we had, we had, we um, laboratory retrievers. I had Chesapeake Bay retrievers. I mean, I've had dogs all my life. And um, as a heart specialist, the data is there, Drew. I mean, I've mentioned this before and I'll mention it again in case people haven't heard it, but if you come, if, if you have a heart attack, uh, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. And if you come home to a lonely house, you know, nobody's there, or you come home to where there's a lot of argumentative behavior in the house and you're fighting with your spouse. um, This increases the incidence of death by 400%. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's like unbelievable. Because when you have a heart attack the first year, you're in a vulnerable situation. You know, you're prone to arrhythmias. You can be prone to heart failure if the heart attack was extensive. Um, So you have to really be careful. But the data showed that if you come home to a loving dog that loves you unconditionally, and I've mentioned this at loads of conferences, and if you take that energy in, mm-hmm. you know, from a loving pet, this unconditional love is just awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just saw an anti-aging doctor here today, uh, here in Essex, and uh, well, when I went, walked into his office, he had three dogs. <laughs> <It reminded> me, <laughs> you know, my office, you know, when I used to bring my dogs, and I and I said to his wife. I said to her, I said, you know, I said, can I see the dogs? And she says, she are you serious? Because I heard them barking. And she says, see, yeah. they came running out of the room. They were wagging their tails. I was, you know, petting them all and everything else. And uh, and again, you know, it just opens your heart. So pets yeah. are incredible.
0: Yeah. So. Well, Dad, you know, you mentioned uh, coming home to a lonely house, and that's really what this article was about: was a woman. Who uh, she'd had PTSD abuse in her past, and she'd feel she was feeling incredibly lonely from uh, the pandemic. She was isolated from her friends, her family, and she wasn't feeling like she was connecting on Zoom or even it was brilliant. I'm going to read a quote actually that she talked about when walking through a grocery store. She said, Some days, even though I walked in the same vicinity as other people at the supermarket or post office, I felt as if I existed behind a thick pane of glass, an impenetrable partition separating me from the world. And I think we can all relate to that where during this pandemic, you go to a grocery store and you're just kind of, everyone's walking around like a zombie in a sense of just like really minding their own business and with their mask on and you don't really connect to anyone, even though you're, you're sort of in contact with everyone, you're not, you're not connecting. And I think everyone's just craving this, this deeper connection with humans right now. And of course, pets, are, are the great solution for this because we can we can bring them into our homes and like you said we can pet them and they bring a lot of love and joy and happiness into our life and i think that uh, i encourage everyone to read this article that this author wrote because she was a brilliant writer i really got a lot out of it in fact and uh i mean i i i'm all about what you said dad in terms of having you know a cat a dog whatever it is an animal that you come home to that you can unconditionally Love and it's just it's fantastic.
1: Oh, no, it's great. And you and you had Ruby there for you know for a good part of your life. And uh, uh I'll never forget the day we went to the clothes shopping when we saw those dogs come out and you fell in love with that type of dog. You know, it was yeah. amazing. You just saw it and bingo, you wanted the Ruby exactly. So, you know, it great. And you know, Drew, one of the things I did as a heart specialist frequently, um, you know, when I would see a husband or a wife and you know, a spouse would lose. You know, their partner after 30, 40, 50 years from a heart attack or a sudden death, and if the kids were dispersed all over the world and uh, and they were lonely, um, I used to sit in the office and sometimes I would have Chewy with me, and I would always recommend the dog to these people. Uh, I said, you know, just go to a bioe home or a shelter and just, uh, you no, know, let the dog choose you. I, I used to always say, mm-hmm. don't you choose the dog, let the dog choose you, and if and if you felt you had a heart connection. Go with it. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, Drew, so many times these patients would come back, you know, three months, six months, a year later and say, Doc, I followed your advice and I'm so happy right now. I mean, mm. I, I, I heard that so many times and, uh, you know, f- our four-legged friends can do, you know, wonders for our heart and life. There's no doubt about it.
0: Well, you know, I looked up some other studies, too, because I was really curious around the, the potential heart benefits of having a pet and they can improve heart rate variability. yes. They can reduce uh, heart rate and blood pressure. In right. fact, the, the, the science on this—the mere petting of a dog—could <laughs> lower your blood pressure. Think about that. Yeah, that's good stuff. And, and one more thing I should I should mention too is, uh, I read this phenomenal article, Dad. I'll send it to you. Actually, it's a whole compilation of, of this um, relationship between human animal and anim, sorry human animal interactions and the health benefits. Uh, going outside the heart as well. And they were saying that a lot of the benefits are actually due to oxytocin release that you get from petting a dog, right? Or coming up and hugging that dog or being in the presence of that dog or other animals. So I thought that was really fascinating about that oxytocin release, which everyone knows is really the hormone that's released when you hug someone um, or, you know, breastfeeding women uh, have released oxytocin or during sex. Yeah. Yeah. hormone of connection. Connection. Connection.
1: What we do is... um, uh, I have a I have a suspicion that um, if the love is felt internally, uh, that maybe phenylethylamine might be released from the brain as well. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and that's the love hormone. So the connectedness hormone of oxytocin and the love hormone of phenylethylamine. I mean, you know, dark chocolate, for example. You know, I mean, dark chocolate can elicit phenylethylamine. That's why small pieces of dark chocolate you know, on an every other day basis or a little bit after, you know, your dinner meal is, is a wonderful way of, uh, you know, taking in bioflavonoids. Uh, and, and I love dark chocolate. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's one of the things we just got on Vervana. I finally, I found a 72% dark chocolate organic. That's absolutely outstanding. I mean, I've been tasting these Dark chocolates from all over the world. You wouldn't believe it. Mexico, Italy, Peru. I mean, <laughs> I've been tasting these things. And now I finally found one that I really like, the 72% dark cho- uh, cocoa. Because again, you know, in, in in small quantities, you know, you don't want to eat a whole chocolate bar in one mm-hmm. syrup. Bar, a couple mm-hmm. of squares is all you need to give your body not only a nutritional value, but again, you know, you especially in this day and age, oxytocin and phenylethylamine are the hormones that we, we need to connect, because how can you connect with somebody when you're wearing a mask? And I really fear this in our young children. Our young children, you know, as a psychotherapist, I really fear that if young children see people wearing a mask, that's gonna create suspicion in them. Yeah. And we don't want young children to grow up with, with the energy of suspicion, because that in itself um, is not a good thing. So um, the more you can show your kids or bring them to places where you don't need masks. This is this is a very important uh, uh, activity because, if, you know, something's got to give of people who are wearing masks all the time, and our, our younger children are going to suffer the most.
0: No, I, and I don't want to talk about this too much, of course, because we're on the topic of, of you know, pets and, and uh, health, but you're absolutely correct about that. I mean, I've been reading all these articles about the, uh, the potential uh, – issues down the road with, with children in terms of not trusting other people. And Mm. so that is a huge, uh, huge factor moving forward. So I guess a takeaway for this article is, uh, get a pet. If you're feeling lonely during the pandemic or eat more chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the last topic we're going to be discussing is, uh, an afternoon, an afternoon nap is linked to better mental acuity or agility. So this came out of the British Medical Journal, and they this is kind of funny. They, they defined an afternoon nap as a period of at least five consecutive minutes of sleep, but no longer than two hours, and that's taken after lunch. Now, I thought five minutes was kind of funny because, I mean, maybe I've seen you sleep for maybe five, 10 minutes, Dad, but that's, that's not that much of a nap time.
1: That's a power nap.
0: It's a power nap. <laughs> um, but what they did is they, they essentially interviewed these people, and they found that those that did take a nap according to those parameters, um, they had uh, improved um, visual spatial skills, uh, working memory, attention span, problem solving, uh, and verbal fluency. So a lot of cognitive factors were improved.
1: It makes sense because you're giving your autonomic nervous system a rest. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense to me. In fact, uh, when I wrote my book Heartbreak and Heart Disease, um, I was studying different cultures for for heart attack. And when I came across the island of Crete, you know, in the Mediterranean, Mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't a heart attack reported over a 10 year period. Now, think about that. Just think about that. On the whole island, you know, there are a few thousand inhabitants, but there wasn't a heart attack recorded. And if you look at what people do in the island of Crete, you know, they would have their biggest meal during the afternoon. And after their biggest meal, um, they would either play games or, you know, like chess or checkers or, you know, uh, go back or take a nap, mm-hmm. and uh, and and basically, uh, again, it just made a lot of sense because you're toning down the autonomic nervous system, and whenever you do that, you know you're you're giving ammunition in preserving your heart. So that's that's the key.
0: Yeah, and. and- you know, it's kind of funny because I, I look at you and you're you're able to to nap at the drop of a hat. I mean, you, you can you can fall well, asleep.
1: Sleep on stones when I was surfing. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs>
0: and I think the beautiful thing is that everyone's so different because uh, I I need complete quiet. Like I can't have any noise in the background. There's no there's no chance of me napping. And so I, what I do is I throw on an air purifier for some white noise and I try to, you know, get like a, a half hour, 45 minute nap in. But that's pretty rare, especially with three kids these days. It's kind of really difficult to get in a nap.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> well, You know, Drew, I grew up in the days of the Iron Men uh, when, uh, you know, I'm going to be 75 in a few months. And, and when I was an intern in medicine, oh, gosh, that's like uh, over 50 years ago. Um, we had a night call every other night on some rotations and every third night on others. And uh, I'll never forget the interns bef- a year or two before me, they were on call every other night. Now, think really? of that. At yeah. least I had every third night for a few months. But and but they used to look at us and they thought we were wimps. They said, you guys, you guys had it so easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, that's why, that's how I learned to sleep. I can sleep anywhere when I'm tired. I don't care whether it's in the middle of a traffic jam and horns are going low because I learned that when I was a, at a very young age uh, and I i was up all night, all the time, I mean, 36 hours straight with, with no sleep yeah. at all. Yeah. But I was if I was able to catch five or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, oh my God, it would, it would really supercharge me. So. That's the efficiency right there. Out, I got to tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the takeaway of this article is really if if you find that you want to improve your mental agility, right? Your cognition, focus, everything, you might want to take a nap every day or every other day. That's okay.
1: Yeah. Just, And, and I would take it a step further. I would say listen to your body.
0: Listen to There's your
1: so body. People that fight off naps yeah. uh, because, for whatever reason, you know, they need to perform, they need to do this. And, you know, I don't care what it is. But just listen to your body. If your body wants to let down and be tired, now with this new research, there's, there's a dividend in taking a nap as well.
0: You know, t- t- Dad, it's fine. Because I feel like in our culture, you can think of yourself, at least judgment-wise, of being lazy if you're taking a nap, in a sense, right? Because, oh, you should be getting done. You should be getting work done, be more productive. But you, you're absolutely correct. Give yourself that time if your body's asking for it. Because ultimately, it's going to help you. Right. All right, Dad. Well, as, our, as we wrap up our show here, we're going to get to our wellness wisdom. Um, so one of the other trending items that we came across was something that you talk about all the time, which is how our mental health can directly impact our heart health. And now more than more, the medical literature is confirming that this is the case. According to a recent statement published in the journal Circulation, there is evidence of biological, behavioral and psychological pathways that link mental health to heart disease. So, Dad, do you want to share some advice with the listeners and what they can do here about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, this is something that uh, cardiologists, I think, uh, are really privy to because we know that there's conversations between the brain and the heart. They're going this way all the time. Now, the heart has the vagal nerve and everything else, and, 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 and there are direct hormonal connections between the brain and the heart. And a lot of people think that the brain rules the body. Nuh-uh. As a mm-hmm. heart specialist, the heart rules the body. And uh, whenever you do good things for your heart, uh, you'll be doing good things for your brain. And 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 the reverse is true. And, and one of the things is, if you can get into your heart feelings, in other words, if you can, like suppose you're feeling sad, uh, and you, or you're having a lot, especially during this pandemic, yeah. um, there's suicides going on, people are feeling trapped, there's panic going on, there's depression going on. And and my advice to anybody during this pandemic, especially if they're locked up and they're lonely, if they're feeling sadness and if they give themselves permission to cry, this is so important. And I know I've mentioned this before in other podcasts, but it's so important because we all have heartbreak during these situations. And if you can let down in your tears, then your heartbreak won't lead to heart disease. Do you remember Mm -hmm. when you were eight years old? When we saw the movie Hoosiers, do you remember?
0: Of course. Yes.
1: Now, when you were eight years old, how old was I? I was in my 40s, maybe. You're 42. I was 42. That's right. And I was in a gestalt training program 10 years before that and a bioenergetic training program. And then when I republished that paper, uh, uh, that paper I did in, in Connecticut Medicine showing that men who don't cry... Uh, get heart disease because we yeah. tested urines and adrenaline and cortisol and we did a workshop and blah, blah, blah. Um, that was one of my issues, Drew. That was one of my issues. So I was seeing Dr. Alexander Lowen and I was seeing John Paracas and I was seeing the world's best therapist. I, you know, I became a certified bioenergetic therapist, but I couldn't cry. And, mm. and basically, no matter how hard these therapists worked on me, but guess what? Remember during that movie, it was like a David and Goliath movie where the basketball <laughs> team from Indiana, they only had six guys and they, and they took on the, you know, the Indiana State champs. They had maybe 25 or 30 guys on their basketball team. And it just reminded me of, you know, my own my days of high school wrestling and stuff oh. like that. And uh, that movie touched me. And, and I remember, you know, sitting next to me and I was crying and you said to me, dad, you're crying. And I said, Drew, I need to do this right now. I need to, I need to release my heartbreak. And after that, I saw the movie five times. I saw the movie five times yeah. and I was able to discharge. And, and that's the point I want to tell our audience. We all have a locked internal sadness. A lot of it comes from unresolved issues in childhood. You know, you can have a death of a parent, an early divorce. Um, you can be sick. You can lose a dog. Um, uh, I remember I had a heartbreaking experience when I was 12 years old when my dog was put to sleep. I I still haven't gotten over it, Drew. Yeah. You know? And I have to tell you, um, when you stuff sadness, when you stuff tears, um, you are you are at, actually in, in, increasing the heartbreak you know, phenomena in your body. And the only way to release it is to cry. And I have to tell you that. Um, One of the reasons why a lot of corporate women um, right now are getting heart disease is that, um, and I, I believe this strongly, that one of the greatest assets a woman has is that, you know, she can let down easier than a man and let down in the sadness. Women also have greater intuition than men where they rely more on their right brain but when women get into the workplace and if they get higher levels like CEOs, et cetera, et cetera, they turn off their right brain and become more left brain oriented because they have to perform and, you know, improve the bottom line, et cetera. And if they shut off their femininity with tears, that is a dangerous cause for heart disease. Um, Mm. and, and, uh, uh, unfortunately we're seeing more heart attack in women today, uh, than we did, um, over 20 years ago. And, um, that really bothers me because, you know, women are always worried about breast cancer. I'm going to get breast cancer. Now, one in three women die of heart disease. One in eight to nine women perish from breast cancer. But it's heart disease that's yeah. going to get women. So my plea to women is, yes, there's conversations between the brain and the heart. And, and, and basically, uh, don't forget that your inner heart feelings are the most important thing in your body.
0: Oh, that's such a that's beautiful, Dad. A couple comments I want to make here around that. Um, You mentioned discharge, and I think crying is just such a fantastic way to discharge. Have you also mentioned laughter? Like like deep belly laughter is another way to discharge.
1: Oh yeah, belly laughter is great. Uh, I remember I uh, did a uh, piece of work with Doctor Alexander Lowen, and he bent me over this bioenergetic stool, and he's. He's Tickling my chest, right? He's putting pressure on. Actually, he was working on my diaphragm to free up energy in my diaphragm, yeah, get me to breathe better. And uh, because he, he believed that breathing was the uh aspect of the type A behavior pattern, he was absolutely He's right. right. He's great. I correct. had dinner with Meyer Friedman, and uh, we flipped a coin on this on to, uh, about bo- buying a bottle of wine. And Thank god, uh, uh, I won because uh, he bought a nice bottle of wine, but I'll never forget that. Um, Uh, He was absolutely right about, you know, breathing and the coronary prone personality. Lowen took it a step further and he worked on people's diaphragms and chest. And I'll never forget it. He started to tickle me and, and I was laughing. And he says, you think this is funny, huh? (laughs) And, and I almost had, I almost got to the point where I was laughing so hard. I almost cried. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got into my head, where I verbalized it to him it took it away. And that's what happens with people. Once you have a body emotion that that's overwhelms you, go with it. Don't go into your head and think about it. Once you go into your head and think about it, now you you become disconnected. You cut off the heart brain hotline and you go into your head. So the most important thing is, and I hope the people take this in, when people have sadness or if they cry, Please don't ask yourself I shouldn't be crying I'm a happy person I have a good mm-hmm. job I have a good mm-hmm. spouse my kids are great no do not go into your head just if the feeling of sadness comes up give yourself permission to cry it's the healthiest thing you can do for your heart and longevity
0: and dad I got to I got to thank you because yes I did watch you when I was 8 years old uh, as you cried during Hoosiers and of course I watched Hoosiers again, I think it was like a decade ago, and I was just bawling. I was crying really? so hard during, oh yeah. I mean, what an amazing movie. And then in other movies too, like Rudy, you know, whenever you see Rudy, oh, Rudy and their so, yeah, Chan Rudy, Rudy good. to come on the field near the end. I mean, oh my gosh, I just start pouring tears. And of course I feel great after I shed some tears like that. And so uh, I, I think I learned from you how to cry uh, during movies. <laughs> oh no, that's great. That's great. That's That's, that's awesome. That's our show for today, folks. If you have a question or an idea for a show topic, please send us an email or share a post with us on Facebook. And remember, if you like what you heard today and you want to be an active member of the B Healthistic community, subscribe to our podcast at BeHealthisticPodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your favorites. You can also find more great content and information from us and the Healthy Directions team at HealthyDirections.com. I'm Dr. Drew Sinatra. And I'm Dr. Steve Sinatra. And this is Be Healthistic. Thanks for listening to Be Healthistic, powered by our friends at Healthy Directions with Drs. Drew and Steve Sinatra. See you next time.